it seems that uh, every time I come here to tell a story, <laughs> I have to start always with the hill I have to go through to come here. It seems that uh, this hill takes the dimension of a gate I have to go through. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> so uh, <coughs> today was no exception. And uh, I, my knee was giving me a little bit of trouble, so I was concerned whether I was able to push myself up, you know, to the top. But I've been saved and saved by my hat. My hat just basically uh, was falling down, so all I could see was basically uh, the middle of my front wheel and the road. So I decided to really kind of stick with that. And uh, uh, knowing very well that actually, uh, even if there was somebody in front of me, like a bicycle, it was, would be really uh, most unlikely since uh, I move really much at the speed of a snail. So mm -hmm. no one could really be moving slower than I was. <laughs> so I decided to stick with it. And, uh, so it was just like one pedal, one breath, one pedal, one breath, one pedal, one breath, one pedal, one breath. And I just stuck to it. And sure enough, before I know it, <laughs> it become flat again. So I raised my head and uh, smiled. And I was just uh, on my right <coughs> was this little uh, Tibetan temple. And they have a, a beautiful sculpture of uh, the uh, wheel of Dharma and uh, the two deers on, the, on both sides. So I bow, and here I am. Great is a matter of birth and death, and permanence surrounds us. Be awake each moment. Do not waste this life. This is a morning gata here at the temple every morning while doing 108 prostration. Every 25 prostration <coughs> one person just speak up. Great! It's a matter of birth and death. I remember in my training studio, we would always say, louder! <laughs> <laughs> but it was a real wake-up call every morning. You know, suddenly you know where the north was. Your direction, clear direction. Yeah. <coughs> I've been, uh, I spoke of it uh, softly because uh, it's been in my mind uh, lately. I've been contemplating on this gata. And uh, <clears throat> because sometimes life speaks of it very loud or presents it to you very loud. And it's been my case in the past three weeks. About three weeks ago, a friend of mine asked me if I could uh, <coughs> meet her. So <clears throat> we had a little coffee together, and uh, she's a very good friend, very dear friend. And uh, she's pregnant of twins. 
And the tongue was so big. <laughs> I'd never seen anything. It was just like I said, what's going on? <laughs> I thought she was going to explode. <laughs> and she told me, she said, I went to see a shaman. And uh, so we talk about, you know, during my uh, the delivery of those twins, uh, I would want really uh, to have a presence of uh, people, you know, and uh, and so I saw I had visions of like really, you know, women surrounding me, and then uh, the shaman asked, I said, "Do you see any men in it?" <laughs> so. And she thought about it, she thought about it, she said, yes. I said, oh, and it's you. <laughs> I want you to be there. I want you to be the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper. Okay. I said, sure, I'll be the gatekeeper. But I had no idea really what the gatekeeper had to do. My idea of gatekeepers are the ones that I had while traveling in South Korea. Well, visiting beautiful big monasteries, the first thing is you go through before you enter the ground is those, uh, this uh, kind of a building which is a gate. And on both sides of the gates are two humongous figures looking at you with the most menacing eyes. You know, like this, you know. So making sure that really you don't bring uh, too much garbage you know, while you come in. <laughs> you know, or just to keep you awake, you know, make sure to keep you awake. Of course, it's my, uh, the meaning of those uh, far more sophisticated than I can ever uh, pronounce now. But anyway, this is the first thing that came to mind. So I saw myself and said, okay, I'll be the gatekeeper. So I saw myself, you know, like this, you know, standing at the gate, one, one hand with a sword, and the other one with a flower bouquet welcoming the kids, you know. <laughs> Very heroic pictures. <laughs> and I agreed, and uh, so, and I took it very seriously. So, which means that I was really waiting, you know, uh, for those babies. I was waiting for the phone call. And I waited and waited to the point where I almost felt myself I was getting pregnant, you know. <laughs> I was pregnant with time, time, you know. Is it now? Is it now? Is it in the middle of the night? You know, she could be calling in the middle of the night. It could happen any time, you know. So, uh, I, you know, it was like this for about a good two weeks, you know. And <laughs> I, could, I found the experience rather interesting, you know. Uh, anyhow, Finally, uh, she decided to, uh, it was time, and so uh, she and uh, her companion uh, went to the hospital, and, uh, <coughs> and uh, they were in Mount Sinai, and, <coughs> and again, they were told, excuse me, <coughs> the room they had was quite beautiful, actually. It was a mix of wood and very sophisticated instrument, shiny, chrome and everything else, with many lights going on like this, you know. It was a bit surreal, but it was very, quite beautiful. And so, uh, <clears throat> so I stay as long as I could each time, just in case, you see, because I'm the gatekeeper. 
So they want to make sure that when they come, I'm at the gate, you know? <laughs> so that, you know, they're not there waiting for me, you know? <laughs> and, you know so all the thing goes into, uh, into my mind. It was a, but I was very touched. She asked me, you know, to do that. And uh, let me enter into this intimacy. It was a, such a beautiful uh, uh, gesture of friendship. You know. Anyway, so we waited a day, two days, three days, and I was keeping people telling at work, you know, say, I might have to go at any moment, you know, because <laughs> twins are coming. So suddenly the entire AGO knew about the twin to come. <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly, you know, everybody was on the like club, click, clack, click, clack, click, 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 you know. And I couldn't meet anybody in the hallway. So, so, so. <laughs> so anyway, and, uh, <clears throat> Finally, got very, very close. And there was a moment where, because she really wanted a very uh, natural delivery. Of course, she, and so <clears throat> she was hoping for that. So suddenly, it was very, very close. She was having a contraction. And uh, I did not know, really, what was the boundary. You know, I didn't want to be, you know, to, to, I just didn't want to be invasive, you know, as well, as much as I was, you know, the gatekeeper. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> finally, I knocked at the door, and uh, her companion said, Oh, Jean, come on in, come on, come on, come on in. And right away, you know, he positioned me right in the middle of her, of this most beautiful tableau. The lights were dimmed, there was no one arch uh, shadows on anybody's face. It was very soft, like almost lit with candle. And she was in the middle on the side, sitting in the middle of the side of her bed, you know, <clears throat> extremely focused, holding with both hands a tummy and looking to the ground, talking to the kids, you know, like really, just like, you know, trying to feel. And then, you know, like a companion was uh, in, in her back giving her a massage just to make her relax, you know. Right on the floor on her knees was a friend, you know, like a, a sitting in a Burmese lotus posture, beautiful and holding her knees and looking at her like this and making sure that she was at ease. You know. Another friend uh, <coughs> was on the other side as well, sitting on a gigantic ball, you know, and <laughs> somehow bouncing gently just to kind of really make herself keep center, you know. The whole tableau was really amazing, and her mom, you know, watching this, you know, with her hands on her breast, like this, you know, with her head gently positioned like Mona Lisa, you know. <laughs> it was just, uh, the course was like, I was looking at this, I was in total disbelief. <laughs> you know, I said, this is amazing, you know. This is beautiful. And, you know, my thing is photography, so uh, it's the best photography always. You don't have your camera with you and you miss it. You don't have the gatekeeper, you know, I could, I should have imagined a gatekeeper with a camera. After all, they can have multiple arms, you know. Anyway, so, uh, <clears throat> and uh, uh, so there it was. It was just like really stunning. But unfortunately, it didn't happen that time. It happened actually the next day. And I was there, 
shortly on the side. But really practicing, chanting, you know, just being around, you know, just being there, that's all. Just be there. Then <coughs> they had changed them of rooms, so I went to their new rooms, and here they were. You could feel, you know, it was like entering a cocoon. They were lying down next to each other and holding, you know, the newborn. <laughs> they were so tiny, so beautiful. And I didn't want, like, once again, to be invasive, so I just felt the need to kind of touch those little babies. And I could feel, when I touched them, the warmth of their new coming. You know, it was very moving. I had a few tears. I could cry very easily. <laughs> then, <laughs> then I took my bicycle and drove to my friend Marie. Marie suffered of a stroke three, uh, three years ago. And she's a very, very dear friend of mine, and one of the first persons I met when I came to Canada. A very uh, person out of the ordinary, a giant. She reminded me of a French actress, Simone Signore. You know, people who are like, a, you know, characters bigger than life in some ways. You know. And her and I were very, very dear friends. So I sat next to her, and she had been like this for three years because she wanted to, I knew that uh, deep, she wanted to make sure that her son was okay. So she wouldn't allow herself to let go. And we kind of uh, convinced her son to talk to her and say, you know, tell your mom, you've got to be okay. You know, her son is lucky in his uh, 40s. And so he did. He, did a, he made a little practice to let her know that. And, uh, and so I went there and sat by her, and uh, she gave me, she opened her eyes a little bit, and told me, she said, I am dying. And so I caressed her hair, you know, and uh, it was just there, been there. And very shortly after, she passed away. So, here I was in the same day, in a, in a very interesting place. I felt I was on top of a mountain, you know, very, at the very peak of a mountain, in which I could not go any higher, and in which so high that I could see everything around, watching both sunset and sundown in the same instant. And just for both cases, I just decided just to be there and stay there. And <clears throat> so, great is a matter of birth and death. It was very clear in the way those two events uh, brought really a strong light into this matter. And of course, every moment of our lives is, is such, you know, coming and going each and every moment of our life. And permanence surrounds us, you know. 
But <coughs> it, this realization gives it all this acknowledgement, uh, has a little kind of a quality to the moment, enriches it, give it meaning, give it purpose. And I was very touched, and I was feeling immensely grateful to my friends to welcome me to that intimacy, you know, and to kind of a maintaining this state of a awakening. You know. So life is like this when we are awake. Certainly, we experience those sparkles, you know, like diamond-like sparkles. Ding! You know, they last for a nanosecond, <laughs> and yet they have immense strength to really uh, <coughs> wake us and potential to, you know, to wake us up. Hmm. So <coughs> it is worth it just to want it to wake up in order to be able to see what's around us. You know. When I was working, uh, I'm still working at the AGO, uh, I was asked one day to put a an art piece, to install an art piece. And it was in a big empty room. And what it was, it was to pull, to literally drop in the middle of this room a mountain of diamonds. <laughs> Fake diamonds. <laughs> 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 but there was one diamond in it, which was real. And uh, I'm not, I mean, I don't carry diamonds. <laughs> but, uh, I used to work for a lady, she was like one of the, if not the wealthiest uh, woman in uh, Canada. She was an art collector, uh, very important art collector, and uh, we used to, uh, with uh, four other friends, put some incredible show for her. And if for every opening she would come up with her diamonds, earring diamonds. So it was like I had never seen anything quite like that. The spark of a real diamond, especially the big one like she had, <laughs> they were big. <laughs> it was just like unbelievable. So when I did this installation, the curator asked me to say, okay, we're going to put the diamond in the pile, but you know, we want to know where it is. <laughs> and I, said, I was really rather disappointed. <laughs> I said to activate the piece, you know, you have to create that mystery. But people don't have to know that. But she want, the curator didn't want, still wanted to know where it was, you know. So she asked me to write in the middle of, a, of the floor to really put it into some tape and tape it in the floor and then <laughs> put the fake diamonds on top of it. So at least we would know where it would be. <laughs> so three months later, when I had to dismantle the piece, you know, then I shoveled all the fake diamonds back into their bag, you know, and then I knew, of course, where the diamond was. But by accident, the sho my, my little shovel <laughs> just like, poof, the tape just went off. <laughs> you see? So the, the diamond was like in the midst of those thousand diamonds, you know, millions. <laughs> so I was one with two colleagues, and they were like, oh my god, what did you do? <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I told them, I say, don't worry, I know how a real diamonds look like. <laughs> 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 
and they got a curriculum and they were going to be very doubtful. But surely enough, it took me literally five minutes. I said, there it is, you know, because it was one like no other. I guess I'm telling you this story because when life offers us those little sparkling diamonds, you know, we know where they are. You know, you, you cannot get lost, just even that memory of those, you know, stay with you forever. So, uh, you know, keep your eyes open for those <laughs> and keep them very close, you know, uh, to you. <coughs> I like to stumble upon uh, see, I don't have to take my glasses off. I thought I prank it really big. I come prepared. <laughs> Actually, I was uh, being a little lazy uh, at the AGO and I was opening up a, a catalog, and an artist had put this uh, coat of uh, Saint Exupéry, which really touched me. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people together to collect wood. I don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Mm. So beautiful. Mm. And uh, it couldn't help it. When I read that, it reminded me uh, all the years I've passed with my teacher, Samusunim. You know, so in the way that I thought about replacing the word ship by a temple, you know, when you want to build a temple, don't drum up people together to collect food and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Standing on top of your own peak, your own mountain, you know, keep your eyes open for that immensity. Develop the thirst for it. Be awake each moment. Do not waste this life.